Many of you may remember about a decade and a half, Robert Duvall was in a, a movie about a, a charismatic preacher. He was called the Apostle. He was a very passionate man, had some very deep flaws in his life. And there's this one scene where his wife has left him for another man. And he's gone back home and he's with his mother. And he's upstairs in his room and he's pacing and he's talking to God. And he says these words, I'm mad at you, God. I, I can't take it. Give me a sign or something. Blow this pain out of me. Give it to me tonight, Lord God, Jehovah. If you won't give me back my wife, at least give me my peace. I don't know who's been fooling with me. <coughs> you or the devil. I don't know. And then he talks a little bit about his wife and about <coughs> the other man. And then he turns back to God. I'm confused. I'm mad. I love you, Lord. I love you, but I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. He then confesses that he's a sinner. And once in a while, a womanizer himself. But then he says, but I'm your servant. I'm your servant. What should I do? Tell me. I've always called you Jesus. You've always called me Sonny. What should I do, Jesus? And then the phone rings down in his mother's room. And mother answers the phone. And it's the neighbor who's complaining about all the racket that's going on upstairs. And how loud Sonny is. And his mom responds to the neighbor. Oh, that is my son. He's, I'll tell you, ever since he was a little boy... Sometimes he talks to the Lord, and sometimes he yells at the Lord. And tonight, he just happens to be yelling at him. Well, you know, the cool thing we found out last week is that it's okay even to get to that point where you explode, where you yell. We, we looked at David in the 39th Psalm. The David says, I've been pushing it down. I've been holding it in. I've not been saying anything, Lord. But now finally, Lord, I just can't hold it any longer, Lord. i got to let it out. And he lets it out. He explodes. We look at the book of Hebrews and it tells us that Jesus Christ himself cried to God with loud cries. It wasn't a whimper in the garden. It was a yell. We see in the Psalms that fully 40% of the Psalms expressing our relationship with God are Psalms of lament. Now, many of you were very encouraged by the message last week. I don't know when I've gotten as much feedback from people going, I needed to hear that. I love the email I got from Christian Drawdy. I want to thank you so much for the sermon this past Sunday. For years, I have lamented to God and then felt so guilty for doing so. It's refreshing to know that God doesn't get upset with me complaining to him. However, let me tell you, when I do complain to him for something that's going on in my life, Nine times out of ten, he answers me in a manner that I didn't even know was possible. And that's one thing you're going to see in our message today. That the complaining part is not the end. It's the beginning of a process that God wants to use in your life. We talk about lament. What is a lament? It's a time to complain, protest, appeal, even to question. And some of you are so encouraged. Some of you, though, were a little bit shocked. Many of you expressed to me that you're a little bit uncomfortable with this, that you, you can't see yourself ever going to God and complaining, that it almost is blasphemous, and certainly it almost feels like a lack of faith. If I really trusted God, then why would I complain? But here's what I want you to understand about lament. Lament is not a sign of a lack of faith. It's a sign of high expectations of God. 
The person who laments, who complains to God, is the person who actually has an expectation of God working. They know the power of God that he could do something about anything. They know the promises of God that he's made. And sometimes, at least from their sight, it doesn't appear like it's lining up. So this person is not the person without faith. What drives you to lament is because you have incredible faith in God and you know what he could do. And so this morning... We talk about that collision when your expectation of God and your experience in life doesn't match up. It leads you to that place of collision where you cry out to God. You even question God. If you're taking notes this morning, let me give you six of the most prevalent questions in the Psalms directed to God. You see, here's here's the key to lament. It's not just venting. It's not just ranting. It's not just raving. It's not just yelling. It's doing all of those things to God. Let me give you six of the most popular questions asked in the Psalms. Number one, why are you so far away? Number two, why are you hiding? God, where are you? I don't see you. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping on looking for your activity. I'm keeping on looking for you to intervene in my marriage. I'm keeping on looking for you to do something about my health, about my finances, God. It's not showing up. And then number three is a tough one. God, why are you so angry? I remember seeing a survey a few years ago about what do you think God would say to you if you sat down with God face to face? What would he say? Number two most prevalent answer was, God, why are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Many people feel that way. God, why, why you're, number four, why have you rejected me? Number one answer on that survey was, if I sat down with God face to face, what God would say to me would be absolutely nothing because he has rejected me. Maybe you feel that way this morning. God, why have you rejected me? Number five, why do you tolerate them? I mean, so many of the Psalms are the people chasing David. And David's like, God, why do you put up with this, man? These guys are trying to kill me. You've got enemies in your life, you know. Lord, why are they around? We look at our world today, we think, how do these terrorists, God, how do you put up with this? Why do you tolerate innocent people being slaughtered across the world, God? How did you ever, how did you ever back down during the Holocaust? How do you tolerate these people? Maybe there's some people in your life right now. Please don't point, all right? But... (laughs) There's some people in your life right now, you're thinking, God, why do you put up with this? Why don't you do something? And then the most prevalent question is how long? Lord, how long is this going to continue to go on in my life? In fact, I want us to turn to the 13th Psalm. That's the Psalm we're going to look at today where where that lament is given. Psalm 13. Just um, listen as David laments. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foe will rejoice when I fall. But... I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I want you to watch what happens in lament. Lament is a gift from God that first of all gives you the time to question God. All right, you've got the time to question him. 
Four times in this short little psalm, he asked, how long, Lord? You say, I, I, I dare you to question God. Listen, to question God simply means you don't diminish God. You take God seriously. It, it, it's the person that says, God, I'm close enough to you to let you know how I'm really feeling. You see, guys, the people we complain to the most, the people that we argue with, the people that at times we are most disappointed with are the people that are closest to us. We don't do that with people that we don't care about. We do it with people we do care about, that we actually have expectations in our life. It laments that time where you can even say to God, Lord, I mean, this has been really tough, Lord. How long is this going to go on? Listen to me, guys. The greatest temptation Satan throws at you or or life throws at you or God trial that God allows in your life is not the it's not the sucker punch. It's not the one moment of absolute pain that then goes away. The most difficult trial is the how long moments. It's one thing to fall. It's one thing to be hurt. It's one thing to have some pain. It's one thing to have an illness. It's one thing to be rejected for a moment. But when it really gets difficult is when it's long-term, right? I mean, even in the book of Job, in that first chapter or two, you know, when everything just one and another goes wrong in Job's life, he tends to hold up pretty good under that. But when he kept on and on and on and on and things didn't get better, Job began to falter. And so this how long moment may be the most challenging moment in our life. There you sit this morning, desperate to have a child. And every time we stand up and we announce a baby shower, or every time we have a baby dedication up here on the stage, it just breaks your heart. Or maybe you're desperate to have a mate. I mean, you've lived for Jesus your whole life. You've prayed about it since you were a teenager. You expected by this point that God would have brought a mate in your life. You've done the right things, and yet it's not happened. Or maybe you have a long-term illness. I mean, it's one thing, you know, to be sick for a week or two or a month or two or maybe even a year. But it's another thing when the illness carries on and on and on and on and doesn't go away. And the pain is even there with you right now as you sit in this place of worship. Or maybe you're a teenager or a college student and you're living for God and your friends rejected you because you wouldn't go out and do the things they were doing. And you're lonely and you keep asking God to bring you those great friends in your life, but somehow he hadn't done it. Or maybe your finances went bad in the crash, but your finances didn't just go bad, they've stayed bad. Or maybe this morning you're sitting around people you know that love you, but you still feel so lonely because you've got a secret you don't think you could tell these people. They think they know you, but deep in your heart, there's something going on you can't say. Or maybe you've got an addictive issue and you hear other testimonies of people who come to God and God just takes it away like that. And yet your addiction plagues you every day of your life. Every morning you wake up wanting it. And you think, how long, Lord? How long? And that's what this psalm is so wonderful about. Lord, how long? I've been in this difficult marriage, Lord. How long? I've been praying for it to get better. And here's the cool thing about Psalms 13 is that the how long moment is big enough for all of us. You see, what I love about this psalm is is there's no note at the beginning that tells you what David was going through. We don't know the circumstances of this psalm, which is actually a blessing because we can fill in the blanks for ourselves. 
What is the how long moment in your life that you need to go to God and you need to say some things to God about it? It's okay. David did it. He was blessed. But that brings us to the next point. You don't want to stay in verse 1 and 2. You want to move out of that. And that brings you to a time of hope. And in verse 3, the psalmist says, look on me, Lord, look on me. He, he, he now, he feels isolated. He's on the desert. But now he's gathering the wood to start the fire and send the smoke signal. He's gathered the rocks on the beach to put SOS. Oh, yes, he started off with just a, a questions and complaints. But now he begins to remember that there is a God. He believes God is still prevalent. And so now he stands on that beach and he waves his arms saying, God, would you notice me? Um, there, there, there's three. He, he says, look. He says, answer. He says, God, would you give me some light? Lord, this is making no sense to me. You're a powerful God. You're an all-loving God. All-loving, all-powerful. And this is still going on in my life? Lord, would you just at least come? Would you show up? Would you, would you, would you shed some light on this? Oh, go ahead and rant and rave and yell, do whatever you need to do. But when you're done, wave your hands at God and get his attention. Now, how can you have hope when things seem so desperate? That brings us to the next part of the psalm. It's a time to remember. The psalmist says, for he has been good to me. Isn't that cool? In the midst of this pain, in the midst of the lament... David is able to remember that God has been there before in his life. I was talking to somebody just last week about, about depression and what it's like because I've, I've struggled with it in my own life. And, and when you're there, it, it's, uh, the way I describe it to people is it's like being in a fog. I mean, you're in the middle of a fog and you just can't see out of it. You can't see in front of you. You can't see behind you. You feel like you've been there every moment of your life and that you will never escape. That's the beauty here. In the middle of David's lament, he at least is able to look behind him. He's able to clear the fog out enough to go, you know, God, I prayed that prayer years ago and you answered me. Lord, you picked me out. From among all my brothers to be the anointed king. Lord, you gave me victory over Goliath. Lord, I, I've seen you intervene before. I know that you are God and that you're powerful and that you love me. I can remember that. And guys, when you find yourself in that hole that many of you may find yourself in this morning, yes, you've got permission to, to rant a little bit about it. Talk to God. He's big enough to handle that. Question him if you need to. But then go to hope and go to remembrance. The reason you can hope is because you have some stories in your life, don't you? When God has been so present and so faithful and so clear. Maybe it's not clear right now, but he has been. Listen to me, guys. This is also one of the major reasons that we need to be consistently in Bible study. Because when you get in the word of God, you, you learn the stories of God. And I'm not talking about stories like fairy tale stories. I'm talking about true stories of how God has intervened in history and how God has done powerful things. And so you want to go back and you want to read the story of God's people being delivered through the Red Sea. You're talking about an awful time. They're in 
absolute burden of slavery and they're delivered. God did amazing things. You want to read that wonderful story of David slaying his giant, believing that God could slay your giant. You want to read that story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because when all hope is lost and everything looks like it's falling apart and there's nothing you can do, you'll remember in the worst moment of history, God did the most incredible thing. And so you want to inundate your life with the stories of Scripture because in those stories, you begin to see God. And when you pray to God, you pray to the God of Joseph. The God who, despite the fact he's sold into slavery, God elevates him. God uses him. God blesses him. The Bible says over and over, God was with him. You pray to the God of Moses who felt so inadequate and so insecure. And yet God uses him as the deliverer's people. Because it's in that remembering that you get hope. And then it brings you to one more point. It's a time to choose. Oh, take the time to ask the questions. Take the time to gather the the firewood and send out the smoke signals. Take the time to remember what God has done in your life and to, to look at Scripture, what God has done there. But in the long run, here's what lament will lead you to. It will lead you to a choice. That's what's so awesome about this 13th Psalm. How quickly David turns from, how long, Lord, are you going to put up with this? How long are you going to let this go into my life to... Lord, I, but, the, the key word in this, this, this uh, passage, which is so often the key word, is the word but. But, but, I trust in your unfailing love. Lord, I've been honest with you. I'm not trying to cover this thing up. I don't know what in the world you're doing. I can remember you've worked in the past. I've got a glimmer of hope. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a choice in the middle of this lament. I'm going to choose to trust in your unfailing love. So you choose to trust. Now, here's what we need to talk about just a second, guys. Lament is not a lack of faith. What started your lament in the beginning is that you had faith in the first place. The reason you're complaining is because you really think God could do something about it. The reason you're questioning is because you know the promises of God. Now, let me say this. This is a sign of a a mature faith, not a superficial faith. A superficial faith says everything is always great in my life. Everything is always great in the world. That's just absolutely not true. It's not true. It's not been true for anybody in the Bible. It's not true in your life, not true in my life. You see, when I first became a Christian, I had this, this, this faith that said this. Here's what I believed. I believed I was going to follow Jesus and everything in my life was always going to get better and better and better and better and better. That life was just this trajectory up. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, you know, you're being faithful to God. I mean, you're being his man. You're being his woman. And, and, and that, was, that was my expectation. It's supposed just to get better and better. I'm supposed to get better, you know. My life's supposed to get better. My health's supposed to get better. Church is supposed to get better. Everything's just supposed to get better and better and better. Now, now that, was, that was my expectation. Let me tell you, that's not a very accurate expectation. That's not the way life's, life in the Bible looks like. It's more like this. And so that, that was really a rather immature faith to say, God, I trust you because you always make things great and my life is wonderful. No, that's superficial. L- listen to me. There's an old um, counseling term. Here, here, here it is. 
Either you talk it out or you act it out. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe you got struggles in your marriage or struggles in a friendship. or and, and, and Either you have the honesty to talk it out, but you say, no, I don't want to talk it out. I might hurt my mate's feelings. God may not want to hear this. And so you just stuff it. You act like it's not going on. You know what happens there when you do that? You stuff it and you stuff it and you stuff it and you stuff it and it begins to show up in your behavior. You treat your mate coldly. Your language is tart. Why? Why? Because you've, you've not talked about it. Either you talk it out or you are going to act it out. You, you can't act like the problems aren't there. They won't go away. And guys, in your relationship with God, I think the same is absolutely true. Either you learn to lament and talk it out or you act it out. Maybe all of a sudden you wake up 10 years later after something really terrible has happened in your life and you're really distant from God. You wonder what happened. The, the deal is you never dealt with it with God. And you begin to act it out. So a mature faith is a faith that says, Lord, I see the world's a crazy place. I see women being abused around the globe. I see human sex trafficking. I see how terrible things are for people in some of these I'm wide open about what's going on in the world. I understand what's going on in the world. I understand my life's not perfect. But here is what I will claim and here is what I will choose. I trust in your unfailing love. That's a deep, mature faith. It's not blindness. It's eyes wide open. And that's what I love about the people in this church. I love talking to my brother, Bill Royal, who in the middle of his sickness says, you know what? God's given me a good life. I've been blessed. I'm ready. I love talking to Wendell Scroggins in the middle of his ongoing battle with cancer and having to retire from his job and the faith that he's able to say. I love the people who passed away in this church over the last few years, some of them not in due season, and yet would say, you know what? I wonder what in the world God's going to use this for. I love the people who express their faith like that. I love uh, to get on Shane Prater's Facebook page and to read what this young man struck by extremely serious cancer is able to say about what God's teaching him and the faith he's developing. I believe there's not been some moments where Shane has questioned God. I hope there's been those moments. I would be there. Jennifer, I love your story. Mitchell, what you've been through the last year. And were there some rough moments? Absolutely. But now the faith that God has grown in you is so beautiful. I love when Jordan Northern finds out that she's got cancer for the third time. The first thing she paces, she, she, what did she do? Post, thank you. I'm not real good at the Facebook thing. The first thing she posts is John 14, 27. Jesus saying, my peace I give you. That's amazing. That's a choice. And that's what lament leads you to. It leads you to a choice to trust. And then one more thing here, guys. It leads you to a choice to praise. David says, I don't understand it, Lord. I don't know where you've been. How long is this going to go on? But I will sing the Lord's praise. It's like the wonderful song, I will praise you in the storm. Guys, The most incredible praise is not when everything's lining up in your life and everything's going your way and it's just one blessing after the other. The most incredible praise is when nothing's lining up and nothing seems to be going well. In the midst of that, you choose to trust God and you choose to praise him. 
It's Paul and Silas in Acts 16. They are praying. I imagine they might be doing some lamenting. They are praying and they are singing. As one author said, I was reading this week, lament and praise live side by side. They do. Because it's all about your faith in God, your expectation of God. So this morning, as we close out this message, I invite you to trust, to make the choice to trust. To make the choice to praise God. Oh, go ahead and yell. It's okay. Go ahead and scream. Go ahead and let God know what you think about what's going on or what's not going on. But learn to hope. Learn to remember. And come to that point where you choose. Even before God answers your prayer. Even before, at least to you, it appears he shows up. That you choose in the midst of it to trust him and to praise him. Because here's the truth. In the midst of your pain, you will either get bitter or you will get better. You will either run away from God or you will run toward God. You will either hurt and go through this pain without God or you can choose through lament to hurt with God. So as we sing a good block of praise songs today, the greatest response you could give to this message today is just to stand no matter what's going on in your life and just to let it loose and to praise him. You've let it loose to him in lament. Now let it loose to him in praise. Or maybe your response today is to come to this front row and to write down an affirmation of your trust and your faith in God to say, you know, life is not so good, but I am choosing here in this assembly today and I need your prayers. I am choosing to trust God. So you got a choice to make. And you can make that choice for God as we stand together and sing.